You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Lord. Joining me, as always, is Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how's it going on this wonderful Wednesday night? Boy, uh, a very busy uh, Wednesday, uh, right when I'm getting on my plane to L.A., we find out about Tomas Hurdle, uh, trying to get uh, as much news as I can right before uh, my flight leaves. At I was at 4.20 from uh, San Francisco down to Burbank, and so it's been a very uh, busy, busy day, but uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get this uh, sort of a emergency Tomas Hurdle podcast on the road. Yeah, it's uh, scheduled, not necessarily an emergency. So uh, <laughs> thanks feels for looking like out for us, Hurdle. You know, he knew. He's like, oh, the the guys record Wednesday night. That I got to make sure that I make my decision by then. Uh, so thanks for that, Tomash. Uh, but uh, yeah, of course, obviously, this is splitting the Sharks territory in half. You know, you can see half of the Sharks fans that are excited and welcoming this extension. The other half are are dreading it. Um, but on you know on this episode or sorry this podcast we deal with the uh, I guess I want to say the the realistic side but we we look at non hypotheticals we try to deal with the real world here so specifically on this week's episode there we are going to discuss Hurdle's eight year extension with the Sharks what it means for the Sharks moving forward and then we're gonna brainstorm some clever ways for the Sharks to essentially just get better next year because it's pretty obvious uh, Joe will. Uh, Doug Wilson, Jonathan Becker, Hassel Plattner, they, they're they committing to competing. I guess that they could hashtag that and, you know, cut me 10% of the funds from the shirts that they sell for it. But they are committing to competing, it seems. And I think it's been solidified uh, by this extension. Wouldn't yeah, there's so? no point in talking about a rebuild anymore because it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. And I, it doesn't matter if we think it should or not, uh, but it's not. Yeah, and um, they've talked about the word reset so often and, and so much. It seems as though the Sharks use these last two to three seasons to kind of ride the wave, essentially, of the contracts that they had. And I think that this is kind of going to be a, a turning point that we can look back on to where the Sharks kind of started to get a little bit more aggressive. I think sure. this is what they're going to do. Uh, just as a quick recap hurdles a total 65.1 million dollar contract spread out over eight years um it's a two and a half million dollar raise essentially from what he's currently making right now uh for the sharks so just a couple of questions that we saw kind of floating out there in twitterverse redditverse other than just the dramatic like oh we're gonna be mediocre for 20 years like does opening up because the contract Shang has a bit of a twist to it that we didn't know about initially that was uh, shown on cap friendly. And then you tweeted later on the no trade clause is a full no trade clause the first couple of years, but then it starts to open up. It expands to a three team trade list. Uh, 
for the middle three years, and then the back three years, year six, seven, and eight, it's a 14-team trade list. Does that kind of, I mean, it obviously favors the Sharks, but does that kind of favor them as far as looking at this contract as more of a win compared to, like, uh, let's say, Mark Edward Vlasic's? Uh, slightly so. I don't want to overplay it. You know, I think the contract is pretty fair. Uh, I'm writing about that right now for both sides, both the Sharks and Hurdle. Uh, it is definitely a better situation than Mark Edward Vlasic, where Vlasic has a, a complete no movement right now. And so, you know, the Sharks found a deal to say Arizona for Vlasic. Vlasic could block it if he so chose to. And he has that right to, you know, uh, more power to him. Uh, so there is some degree of more flexibility uh, with hurdle that the sharks have, but I wouldn't call that. Wouldn't go so far as to call that a win. The win for the sharks is if hurdle is still a, a good player six years from now or eight years from now. Uh, and that's really the only way that the sharks can, I think, come out of this with with a, with a win on this contract. Yeah, and that that includes a a type of foresight that we talked about on the last episode. We just don't have, um, so. Uh, evaluating the the contract now as objectively as you can, you know, it seems as favorable for both sides as uh, objective. You know, her- really win in any significant way, except that they brought back, uh, at least looking at it in a very, you know, a flat way. I know that there's a lot of dimension to this, but they brought back a top player to their team uh, that they do desperately need if they want to compete next year. And so moving forward, where does this leave the Sharks as far as extensions go with Meyer, Ferraro, and even possibly Barabanov? Yeah, I, I, I think with the, the ones that are upcoming, uh, I mean, this summer with Ferraro, it's no trouble. They're going to find a way to fit Ferraro in. Uh, he is a priority guy to them. He is a part of their core. Uh, Barabanov, I don't know. Barabanov is a UFA. Uh, Barabanov... I think that it's an open question. It's a debate that I know that people outside of the Sharks are having. Is Barabanov a top six forward, uh, a true top six forward, or only a top six forward on the Sharks because the Sharks suck? (laughs) And so I I think that that's an open question that I think I, I get the sense that the Sharks are asking themselves too. Is Barabanov a legit top six forward on any team, good or bad? Or is he just a guy that to some degree... I don't want to uh, fully uh, diminish what he's done this season, um, but you know, to some degree, though, is he benefiting a large part uh, because of the Sharks' lack of depth up front? You know, during that stretch, for example, recently where Barabanov was on the first power play unit, I don't think that happens on I don't know 15 other 20 other teams in the league. You know, unless there's a lot of injuries or whatnot, which the Sharks had at that time. So we will see on on uh, on Barabanov. Um, and I, I think, again, it's going to be in terms of uh, uh, what happens with this contract. Uh, I think it's going to be a value thing. You know, will you give the Sharks some value? Then maybe the Sharks go for it. You know, uh, but if he's going to want uh, more than they can offer, uh, I don't think they're going to extend themselves like they would for a hurdle, obviously. Uh, so the big question next is is Meyer. Uh, Meyer is... And let's not put the cart before the horse with Meyer. You know, Meyer's had an incredible uh, two-thirds of a season here all in all. A little bit of a drop-off recently, but he's had a great uh, uh, great two-thirds of a season. Um, he has to continue it, and he has to do it next year, too. 
And if he does do that, then it's going to be, yes, it's going to be a big question. You know, is he going to make double digit, double digit millions? That might be possible. Uh, is he going to become the highest paid Sharks forward uh, ahead of Couture and Hurdle? Very, very possible. Um, but the Sharks see him uh, very much as part of the core. You know, we asked about uh, Timo today when we talked to Joe Will, and he was very unequivocal, uh, unequivocal that Timo Meyer is a part of that group of core Sharks uh, that we can, you know, identify now as Tomas Hurdle, uh, Brent Burns, Logan Couture, Eric Carlson. I think Ferraro's in there too. Uh, Meyer's very much in there, so they're going to find a way to keep him. Obviously, we know that the cap is is uh, is uh, you don't have a limited space there, but I'm not too worried that that it's going to affect uh, Meyer. I, they'll find a way to keep him. Yeah, and they will make the money somehow, some way. It will <laughs> it will be there for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's a fair question to ask. So I'm going to rephrase it. The the thing that keeps getting asked is. Mm-hmm. You know, is is Barbanov going to be traded at the deadline? And I can't ask you that because you don't have some insider, unless you do. But you don't have some. Yeah, insider I, 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 I mean, I, I, I can say that uh, I honestly don't know. Um, so, so with that I, being said, like, do you think he will, or do you think they're going to continue to play him out this season and have those contract extensions or contract extension talks with him? Yeah, uh, I think the the my I don't know is is a uh, how do you say it? it's a loaded I don't know it's it's not a like I it's not a, uh, a, a it's not from a lack of knowledge um, you know like uh, all along with Hurdle for example especially recently you know it really started feeling like he was going to to come back and that was the sense that I got um, with Barabanov I I don't know I think Barabanov is in that 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 uh, that group of player. Uh, maybe Middleton is in it too, which is why we hear Middleton's name, but I don't think the Sharks necessarily are, especially with Middleton, who is set to be an RFA, unlike Barabanov, who's a UFA. So there's that, there's a contractual thing with Barabanov, a money thing that isn't so much a part of, uh, Middleton's future with the Sharks. But anyway, the point is that like the, if the Sharks get the right offer, uh, for a Barabanov, um, I'm not sure what it is, but I think that he's a guy that I, I think that uh, they would part with. Um, he's not in that core of the hurdle core or 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 whatever, right? Where mm-hmm. the Sharks weren't even taking offers on him. I don't. I'm not saying that they've taken offers on Barabanov. I think my point is that if you're a team and you want some help at scoring wing, and if you give the Sharks a decentish offer, not, I'm not saying that anyone's going to give the Sharks a first round pick for Barabanov or anything like that, anything ridiculous like that. But would the Sharks take a second round pick for a Barabanov? It would not surprise me. And so that, I guess that's where my I don't know comes from in terms of uh, I don't think I don't get the sense that the Sharks are that high on Barabanov. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, there's that debate out there that is Barabanov a true top six forward on a good team or is he just a guy that's a beneficiary of of, uh, of playing time on a team that can afford it? Yeah, it's, yeah, right. So uh, not a victim of circumstance, but a, a beneficiary uh, of circumstance. <laughs> a beneficiary of circumstance, yes. Um, so, um, I, so yeah. So, so, so I, I think that it wouldn't surprise me. If, I guess if they did trade him, uh, wouldn't surprise me if they kept him too. If the offers weren't great, and hey, let's you know. I think the Sharks actually are kind of looking at. Look, they are still kind of hoping, uh, holding on to the embers of hope that they can make a playoff run here. Um, 
you know, they basically got to, you know, win the, the two, the, the game tomorrow in LA upset Colorado on Friday. And then you have Arizona on Sunday, right. I don't know, come on with five or six points or something like that. Right. And yeah. I don't, I don't know where that puts them exactly, but uh, yeah. So they might say to themselves, well, if all you can get for a bear Bonoff is a third round pick, yeah, I may also just keep him, let him walk, you know? So yeah. uh, they, they might, they might make that kind of calculation to themselves. Um, so, yeah. So that's why when you asked me, will they trade bear Bonoff at the deadline? Uh, my answer is, I don't know. Uh, you know, my answer with hurdle, uh, for example, shifted, you know, if you asked me six months ago, I would have said, yes, I think they're going to trade hurdle by the deadline. Uh, as we got closer to here, I would have started a trend to say, uh, you know, I don't think so. I think they are going to keep him. I, I know they want to keep him, Right. And obviously yeah. the thing with hurdle, the biggest telltale sign was that they weren't taking any offers on hurdle. And uh, uh, up to, uh, well, yeah, up to when he signed. And so, yeah, uh, so they felt very optimistic about that. But, um, you know, I do know that they haven't really uh, uh, engaged in conversations in terms of uh, with Barabanov's camp, uh, in terms of uh, extension, at least at this point. Not to say that they won't in the next few days. But, um, you know, uh, I I guess I'll wrap it up finally with this, uh, the Barabanov point that... They could have, you know, I had a story about this earlier this, uh, early, uh, I had it last week. They were definitely constantly on hurdle. Everyone understands that. But they had enough time in the day that they could have also, if they prioritized Barabanov, also talked to Barabanov and let Barabanov know that, hey, we want you back. And, you know, we're talking, you know, we're, we, we need to get hurdles money cleared up, but you're in there. You know, we can start to talk about your extension too. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's been all about hurdle. And so if that doesn't tell you what the pecking order is, then, you know, that's, that's, that's the pecking order. So, yeah. um, So, yeah. So, so yeah. So I can, I can say the same thing too about a guy like Reimer too. You know, there's a couple other guys called right? Like, um, I don't think the sharks are hungry to, 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 to trade, especially a Reimer who has another year left on his contract. Right. Um, But if the right offer comes along a little bit like Middleton, uh, you know, Pierre LeBron had with Middleton a second and a prospect as what the Sharks were hoping for. Uh, I've been told that that is uh crazy, basically. <laughs> hey, but if you uh, I'm writing it, about like, that, you'd be crazy to turn it down, essentially. Like, if it's right, a crazy right. Offer. So, if you get something that is so strong, like, hey, okay, fine, we'll we'll figure out another top four ish, you know, uh, uh, defenseman uh, to 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 play with Carlson or whatever. Then yeah, you take that for Middleton. So if Reimer, I think if offer comes up to maybe a second, you know, maybe they'll think about it. Uh, but it has to be overpay basically for yeah. for Middleton, uh, for uh, for Reimer. I think uh, less so for Barabanov, just because Barabanov isn't cost controlled next year. If he was cost controlled, that'd be a different thing. But Barabanov being a UFA, uh, I think is a little more in the I don't know category than even Middleton or Reimer. Gotcha. All right. Well, that makes complete sense, you know, especially the Middleton aspect, and we're not going to get too deep into that either. So we kind of want to move forward in regards to Hurdle's contract, you know, what it means, like we said before in the summary, what does it mean for the Sharks moving forward? Well, we've already, the Sharks have already said in in public now, I mean, they, they're they not they're not rebuilding, they're not resetting, they're, right. they're, they're committing to, uh, to quote Joe will win now, but you know, I mean, you're not really winning now, essentially you're, you're just solidifying the core at this point. So just to, to recap, like Shang, your position was still to, to trade hurdle to 
like am i correct there you're still right yeah yeah a couple weeks ago we we did sort of a a uh a hypothetical podcast i think uh for myself i just want to get the position out there because uh uh we had we spent so much time kind of explaining the sharks positions and and why they're doing things and whatnot and i think that's very valuable to do because that's the reality that uh, i'm living in as a sharks beat writer that's reality that you guys as sharks fans are, are living with too that look this is what the team is doing like it or not this is what the team is doing you know uh yeah. but a couple weeks ago uh, in a podcast uh, that uh, we titled uh shang's plan for rebuilding the sharks uh, i made it clear that you know i thought about it and i gave this team 50 or so games i watched and i actually liked a lot of what i've seen in the and you know during the season overall um but I thought the safest thing for the team to do was to go into a kind of a soft rebuild, uh, not a full teardown, but to, you know, get rid of the contracts that you can, you know, slowly and methodically. And the guys who are left over uh, that you can't trade, like, say, a Carlson or Vlasic, ask them frankly if they want to be a part of a, a rebuild if they are down with being uh, great leaders and they want to do that then bring them on board uh if they don't want to be a part of that uh try to trade them if you can't trade them you know i didn't say this but if you can't trade them bury them <laughs> so you know put them in the minors then you know because uh, you need guys who are uh, on board uh, uh mentally for that for a true rebuild uh anyway so uh, part one of or the, the first uh, kind of uh, a plank of that rebuild was trading hurdle, uh, which I know that a lot of uh, you guys listening uh, wanted to do, not because you guys don't like Thomas Hurdle. I mean, everybody likes Thomas Hurdle, uh, almost everybody, uh, but uh, just because uh, you thought it was the best for the health of the organization. And I tend to agree with you there, uh, but again, that's not the reality we're, 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 we're living in. And so I'm not going to spend too much time you know, railing at the organization or complaining or whatever. Look, they have re-signed Thomas Turtle and they're not rebuilding. And so, you know, let's uh, let, let, let's try to uh, think about uh, how to uh, work our way or work with the situation that the, the Sharks are actually in and not kind of a fantasy land of what isn't happening. Yeah, I think it's important to realize, like, me sitting here as a fan and then doing this podcast, I feel like I'm constantly split in two between logic and like my emotional side and attachment to this team and to the players where like that side of me wanted hurdle to stay. I just got to watch Matt Olson and Matt Chapman get traded away from my favorite baseball team, you know, as an A's fan, like it just, it just rips you in half consistently seeing your favorite players get traded away so much to the point that you, you don't even want to buy anyone's Jersey. Right. So it's, it's a breath of fresh air to get, a guy extended on a team that you like that's a core member of the team and of the culture moving forward. So, like, I understand both sides. I understand why the Sharks want to because in their eyes they can they want to push to compete, they want to stay competitive, they want to push for the playoffs. Well, the best way for you to do that short-term is with, you know, resigning, re-signing Tomas Hurdle. You know, the, the soft dump that we, that you and I kind of, like, drew up together and, and, and agreed on essentially was... I also agreed to that as well because it makes sense. But, like, I understand why they did it, and so that's the world that we're going to live in. We're going to live in that realistic world because we're realists. We're not going to I don't know. Maybe if Minnesota had offered Marco Rossi, the Sharks would have done it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably not, but hey. <laughs> no, that wasn't happening. <laughs> so, but a while, we're never going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so the plan moving forward for the Sharks is like they've stated publicly multiple times 
you're staying competitive and you're just going to Yeah, yeah, I want to remind Yeah, because um I we talked about this last week. I talked about the the week before too, but I still get a lot of tweets about it. It's understandable too. I'm not sure if uh, it was laid out very very clearly by Doug Wilson. I mean, when he explained it to us, I I thought I I got it and I've written multiple articles in the last year or so. You guys can all find it, you know, where I said that this isn't a rebuild. When he says reset, he means that's the word he means. <laughs> this isn't uh, trying to, you know, hide the language. You know that that yeah. that was that was the feeling I got for the most part uh, from what Doug said last year when he said the word reset. But anyway, so let's just lay out very quickly before we get into the the, the meat of the episode, which is how do we improve the Sharks uh, next year with Thomas Hurdle's contract. Okay, so what the Sharks have been doing the last couple of years, by my interpretation, and also checking with people uh, in the organization, they are, number one, uh, they are still trying to stay competitive, and along with that, run out the the contracts the best you can, you know, the Vlasic, the Carlson contracts, because getting out of them is a worse punishment. And we talked about what the punishments are, right, in terms of giving up draft picks or yeah. uh, what that, or buyout penalties or whatever, right? So, okay. So, so that's what they try to do. Obviously they have failed to stay competitive (laughs) because they're uh, going on three years and and, and running out of the playoffs, but that's what they tried to do. Uh, So, okay. The second part of this is to keep acquiring draft picks and not to trade draft picks out, which the Sharks have accomplished uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, Obviously uh, trades from uh, Barkley Goodrow to Brendan Dillon, right? but Goodrill one is an excellent example of they got an offer so good that they traded a guy that they maybe didn't want to trade uh, uh, in Goodrill, right? Uh, and so that could be the same case with Middleton, where they get uh, such a good offer that, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let him walk, even though we love the guy. Um, so anyway, so that's what they've been doing for the last couple of years. And the only major pick that they've traded out is the one for Aiden Hill uh, this, uh, uh, this past summer, which hasn't quite worked out yet. But Aiden is a young goaltender, at least, so you can kind of see where they're coming from and the Sharks obviously needed uh, another goaltender to pair with uh, James Reimer who they were going to sign in in the uh, in the in, in free agency um, so anyway so they have accomplished that too and the third part of it is to kind of develop their system which is you know comes hand in hand with adding more draft picks and the Sharks have done that right uh, you know again I'm, I'm not trying to over defend the things they've done or whatnot but I don't think anyone can argue that the Sharks farm system is better now than it was in 2019 when uh, when they started this sort of reset process and yeah. so we don't know if those these the system is a great system if these prospects will pan out from Eklund to Bordalo to Cole or whoever right but um their goal was to kind of develop the system and also too, as part of that too, uh, get the young guys that they had playing time to figure out who might kind of survive this next step of, 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 of the sharks, uh, of the sharks, uh, reset. Mm-hmm. And so this next step is uh, the resigning of Thomas hurdle. And it's pushing, in my opinion, the accelerator on the reset. Yeah. Doesn't I mean a, that that's pretty no, but, fair. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's like what I said, that's like the turning point for them. Yeah, or, or what we'll look back and say, hey, this is the turning point that they decided. Okay, the reset is is finishing. We're going to start committing to building around this core again. Right, right, right. So, and they're not going all in. Uh, let's uh, be, you know, uh, cautious about that. Joe Wall said today that they're not trading their 2022 first, for example. Uh, but definitely, resetting hurdle increases pressure on adding more NHL caliber players this off season. 
uh, be it through free agency, through trade, or even internally to make sure that the guys that you are relying on are really, really ready, as opposed to the last couple of years when it was just a lot of hope. Like, hey, let's hope that Daniel Yurtaikin can play top six minutes. Let's hope no Gregor is a third-line center. You know, let's hope, let's hope, let's hope, right? So I think there's going to be a little less of that. Not that, you know, you can eliminate all of that, especially in a cap age where you always have to kind of uh, give young players a, a shot because – they they make so they 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 make entry level money so you need guys like that to to perform uh, over outperform uh, those contracts um, but um, there is going to be more of an emphasis uh, that's my read uh, talking to people in terms of uh, yeah being competitive around Thomas Turtle and the rest of the core um, as soon as next year. Uh, they're yeah. not. They're not. They're not going to be in this sort of reset mode as much so over the next uh, couple, uh, couple of years. And all, going back to the point about developing a system too. So these last couple of years, um, you know, this would be great if if if, if you could have, you know, if time could have stood still and you could have made sure that Eric Carlson and Logan Couture and Brent Burns didn't get older. But look, we're here now. They got older. They're still here as a high end players, still, you know, very good players still. And yeah. so now these couple of years, you figure it out uh, who can sort of play in, in your system. The guys that even just throwing out there, right, really willy nilly over the last couple of years. So we figured out that. No, Gregor can kind of play. He, I don't, we don't know if he's a top nine player, but he can kind of play, right? Uh, you know, we figured out that uh, Kanijov, uh, Middleton, they've had a better uh, luck with their defense than their forwards, uh, you know, uh, uh, out of this process, uh, this sort of uh, um, a sort of guinea pig experiment with all their young players over the last, you know, few years. You know, sort of, you know, I figured out that just for example, that a guy like, I don't know, I'm guessing here, but a Blickfeld may not make it in the long run, right? A prospect that's been around for a couple of years. Uh, we're seeing now uh, it was a guy like Scott Reedy that, hey, maybe he is the guy who's going to be part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. He's, I yep. think, shown, flashed a little bit the last few games he's been around. But anyway, though, so giving all these young guys shots, you're getting a sense of uh, who can help you. Uh, next year and so we are we have received we have gotten kind of that sense over the last couple of years all the rookies the sharks have trotted out there the nhl season has been packed with dirty dangles hat tricks and big wins as the action rolls on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl has your shot to win big too new customers can bet just one dollar on any team and get 150 dollars in free bets if they win That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older only. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, not to mention the rookies that they have in the wakes. You have uh, Tristan Robbins, who's tearing it up in the WHL. Ozzy Weisblatt. You have Thomas Bordolo, who I would, I mean, based on his performance and just his age, he's pretty much ready to step into pro hockey now you're you're increasing that competition in training camp you're 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 not gifting these jobs to anybody either like you're making this a full-scale competition you're gonna have to beat somebody out to get this role 
and that competition is going to help increase the overall product that they're putting on the ice. Or at least that's mm-hmm. just how I'll perceive it in my little teal-colored glasses. Everything's going to work out perfectly fine in little box. So <laughs> I'm not looking through <laughs> through through the through the, the 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 teal the teal lens there. So uh, I'm just trying to explain what the organization is seeing, whether or not it works out or not. But you know, yeah, I yeah. I'm not I can't tell you. I mean, look, uh, I I laid my position out there a couple of weeks ago that I think that they should they should uh, start to pursue the first steps of a rebuild, which is to trade a hurdle. So that's me telling you that I don't think this plan is going to work out, but, uh, but I also, I'm not going to go on the other side and say that there's no way that this can work out. Um, I actually think there are a a few paths where this can work out. And we're going to talk about that today. All right. Well, shit, might as well just do it now. Yep. So how do the shark, how do the sharks get better, Shang? Tell me now. <laughs> well, I think the, the 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 key area that 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 we're going to focus on today is well, first we're going to talk about the 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 problem areas, and the problem areas are the, some of the contracts still, right? And we have seen this year that uh, that uh, Carlson, uh, Couture, Burns, um, that these guys, again, they may not be uh, Norris Trophy guys, uh, first line guys anymore. I don't know, but they're still very, very good players. Uh, they have that capability still, even though Carlson has been hurt at times, even though Burns has been overplayed at times, um, you know, playing 28 minutes a night when Carlson's been hurt. Um, but these guys are still really good players. And so uh, they aren't the immediate problem, at least with the Sharks. Um, sure, you can maybe use $11.5 million more efficiently than you're using on one player in Eric Carlson. But that's neither here nor here nor there. Again, we got to deal with the reality. Eric Carlson is here. Contract isn't going anywhere. But hey, at least he's still playing uh, pretty good hockey, at least. Right. He's not a total disaster. So the three yeah. contracts that we're going to look at are um, at being problematic are obviously Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, redeem Shimmick to a smaller degree uh, because he's making less money. And uh, Kevin LeBanc. Um, and Kevin's a little unfair, I think, in some ways because he's been hurt this year and he's still youngish. But I'm going to lump him in, in in this group, though. And so I think the biggest question here is how do we move on from Mark Edward Vlasic? And we did an episode about a month ago uh, titled uh, How to Sell Hurdle on San Jose, which was uh, sort of uh, our hypothetical. If we were the GM of the Sharks, how would we try to tell Thomas Hurdle that the Sharks uh, are going to be competitive really soon? And what steps are you going to take and whatnot, right? Yeah, we sent it directly to Joe Will. We assume this is his (laughs) blueprint that he used in those talks with Hurdle. So uh, just credit us with that. I, I, I like to think uh, uh, Tom, uh, a hurdle uh, follows me on Twitter, and I like to oh, think so he that he listened himself. I, I like to think that I like to think that on on some ride with uh, with Tobias, you know, maybe up the coast to 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 uh, to Mendocino uh, with with uh, with his lovely family. That yeah, he just popped that in there, you know, while 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 his wife was taking a nap and a wife and son were taking a nap. He was listening to that. I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Uh, They're probably not. right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, though, so um, so in in that podcast, though, uh, so a couple of the steps that we took in terms of uh, uh, Vlasic and Shimmick's contracts were that we bought out Vlasic, obviously, and then uh, Shimmick, uh, the move there, Shimmick has uh, two years left at $2.25 million each, not a terrible amount. And so we thought that we could get, get, rid of, uh, get that out of the books by attaching a third-round pick 
maybe a sec. You don't want to attach a second, but if you have to, a second. And that it, that was uh, a reasonable, I think, a sort of inducement insofar as the talk to a couple of scouts. I may mention that the episode. I don't remember, but uh, I talked to a couple of scouts, a couple of executives about that. And they said, yeah, that's that's reasonable for 2.25 mil, uh, two more years to attach a third or a second a team. You can get a team to bite on that. Um, so, so that's how we got rid of basically – uh, we added about six million of cat space next year. Obviously, with Vlasic, if you buy him out, it's going to be kind of a floating number. Uh, what that buyout you know means in terms of uh, cap space. Uh, but next year, though, I think it's going to be about three point five million of, uh, of of cat space there. Um, but you know, of course, though, uh, we don't want to just kind of rehash what we did uh, uh, about a month ago. So we're also going to talk about other ideas with uh, Vlasic. But uh, Nick, uh, you you mentioned when we were talking earlier a um, couple of uh, key things to remember about Vlasic's contract. Yeah, the first thing is that obviously it has that full no movement clause that's attached to it. And he's stated before, uh, prior to the Seattle expansion draft, that he does not want to waive it. You know, he, he got that for a reason. Essentially, sure. he hasn't talked to Doug about it. It's it's there for a reason. Um, but in regards to that full no movement clause, it actually switches up a little bit. So after the twenty two twenty three season, it actually switches over to a modified no trade clause, where it goes to a three team no trade list. Now, is it a three team do... trade list or a three team no trade list? Excuse me. Yeah, it's a three-team trade list. Trade I always list. mix okay. those up. I'm, I'm, no, it's I'm, easy to. Got to yeah. stop doing that. <laughs> but the real the the thing that I think matters the, not the most, but we talked about it as well, and and we both thought there's no way that he's still going to be on this team by the time that that would kick in. I mean, the buyout potential is there. Plus, we think that that's the wind. That's around the window when the Sharks are really going to start wanting to really really compete for the playoffs you know that that second year well, yeah. of hurdles contract well that's... no i'm no I, i'm gonna disagree with you yeah i think it's gonna be next year so uh that they're gonna want to start competing for the playoffs so like well, really well, yeah, yeah no no i understand that what i'm saying like mm-hmm. they're like the foot's like on the gas like they're fully committed to it like they're they're well established in that process essentially mm-hmm. like the process is essentially getting started now it's it's going into it next season. By the time this kicks in, like they're already going to be well into that process. So I don't foresee him being on the team if that oh, were sure. to be the case. Sure, sure, so, sure. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think we'll get to uh, twenty twenty three, twenty four, three team yeah. uh, trade list for last year. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I don't agree see with that, that being. But it is just fun to know that that's, or it's just important to know that if his play were to somehow kick back up. Or, it's not. <laughs> if, or if they don't want to buy him out, um, that is an option moving forward. It's no longer a full no movement clause at that point. So, right, just something to keep in mind. But yeah, so with with Vlasic, then so okay, so uh, the buyout option is is one mechanism. I do think I, if you were to ask me to to bet on what what mechanism they're going to use, uh, I think that is that is what's what's going to happen. They're going to buy him out this summer. Um, I don't see a team wanting to trade for him. And obviously, even if he did did find a team that was willing to trade for him, uh, however it's it, you know however you do in terms of retaining money or whatever, uh, he has to agree to it, right? And so don't know if he will agree to it and so in that yeah. case he may force the shark's hand where they might just have to be like look we you know we found a trade for you you don't want to go there that's fine that's your prerogative we just got to buy you out then you know um but anyway though let, let's talk about the possibility 
of trading Vlasic. Uh, again, though, knowing that he has the final decision on this. Um, so we're trying to figure out if, and, you know, let's first talk about the type of trade we're looking for with Vlasic. Okay. Again, so what is Vlasic right now? Very quickly, Vlasic is a bottom pairing defenseman at best who makes uh, uh, five times, six times more than he should. So you're not going to find a lot of takers here, obviously. And he has uh, four years left of his contract after this year, and he's, I think, 33. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons why it's going to be very difficult to trade this trade Vlasic off. But is it possible to trade Vlasic for another bad contract but a better player? Um, that might be possible. The problem with that, though, is that the Sharks can't really afford to take on more money. Uh, we did a mailbag a couple weeks ago where someone had the good idea of, hey, why don't we trade Vlasic for a Carey Price? Um, and obviously, Carey Price, even though Carey hasn't played in a while, uh, Carey uh, more recently was a you know spectacular player at times during the during the playoffs last year. And so... In terms of that is a better better player, but on a much worse contract. But of course, the problem with Price is that Price makes three point five million more. Uh, last season, I sort of played around with the idea, never did wrote anything about it or said much about it. But hey, why not trade Mark Edward Blasic for Jeff Skinner? And uh, and that's the same kind of concept, right? Where uh, yeah. where where Skinner is a better player, or at least there's more hope. Skinner was younger, that he would sort of come back to form uh, uh, as opposed to Vlasic, who was a couple more years down the line, right? And um, anyway, uh, so, but the problem with that, though, is that Skinner's cap hit is nine. So basically, if you trade for Skinner, uh, you're not uh, saving any money, right? And yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's, so that's sort of the problem of that kind of contract. Um, but I think that's the kind of trade, though, that the Sharks can try to explore, though. Like, okay, here's another example uh, that I think people have talked about before. Uh, can you trade a Vlasic for, say, a Jeff Petrie? Uh, I don't think Montreal does that, by the way. I think that's wishful thinking because Petrie is at uh, 6.25, and Petrie is, from what I understand, a better player still than Vlasic. And that doesn't even count uh, various no movements that that petrie has in his contract too so so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves but uh but petrie's contract also expires a year before vlasics too um so you know that's the kind of trade that maybe you, you can you can swing that um but it's gonna be tough though obviously uh, i don't see i don't see an obvious fit out there you know we looked a little bit but don't see an obvious fit for trading vlasic the other possibility is is the Arizona possibility. You know, Arizona kind of, from my understanding, talking to people, um, before Arizona last year started taking on all these contracts, uh, Andrew Ladd, whatever, for just a second-round pick and stuff like that, right? Um, and uh, I think Ladd was – let me double-check on that. I think Ladd was at uh, – he was at – Andrew Ladd, where are you? There you are. Uh, he was at five point five for for two more years when the when the Coyotes traded for him. Yeah. And the the presumed cost of that was always a couple first round picks, basically one first round pick for for each of each of uh, each of uh, those remaining years. And the 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 Coyotes though uh, changed it to basically second round picks. They started taking second round picks and that really reshaped the market because I think all the other teams in the league were still thinking that that, that the market for taking on about 5 million or so a year was a first round pick. So the Coyotes basically undercut the market. 
Yeah, and, multiple second round picks in that deal. For right, right, right. I think it's two of them in the end, though, right? So yeah. yeah. So so uh, instead of the like I said, the the, the normal the previous cost for that would have been two first rounders. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so with Vlasic, the problem with Vlasic, though, and why the Arizona option I don't think works is that Vlasic has too many years left. He has uh, he has uh, four years left. And Arizona took on uh, when they were when they were doing, when Arizona was taking on all all this bad money. Uh, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, you know the the Coyotes were careful with picking up guys that had just a year or two left on their contracts. They weren't picking up guys that had four years, five years. You know, uh, they picked up uh, 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 you know Gostabare, but Gostabare was two years too, twenty twenty three, right? So the Coyotes, mm-hmm. I think that their plan is pretty obvious, really. You know that that. At least at this point, it could change. You know, they may have more openness to picking up back longer contracts after this summer. But, um, you know, after 2023, that's when they're seeing, you know, that they want to open up that competitive window a little bit and and uh, and uh, and not have all this bad money on the books. So I think that's going to be a problem with with with, with trading of Vlasic there. And so. Besides that, yeah, it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to see. And also, too, again, if you did uh, form up some kind of trade that the Coyotes would take for Vlasic, um, you still need Vlasic to agree to go there. And so I think that's that's going to be tough there, too. And yeah. so I think with Vlasic, the most likely mechanism uh, is, to close up here, is the is the buyout. Because it also gives Vlasic a chance, too, to hook on with another team. And... Um, and play and play and play elsewhere. I'm going to play out the, the end of his career where he wants to go, who will take him, you know, which is what he deserves to anyway. It'd be tough, honestly, like um, just uh, watching, you know, a guy that gave the Sharks so, so much over the years yeah. uh, and such a, you know, such a, a, a consummate pro on the ice. Um, it'd be tough to watch him, you know, uh, finish out his years in a place that just, you know where hockey players go to die, like Arizona, and so unless unless there was an I mean unless there was a trade there that obviously was was the Sharks' advantage, but I don't think there is. Uh, since there isn't, then I think you you want to see him get to go somewhere else where he's wanted, where uh, he doesn't have the expectations of the contract kind of poisoning the 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 well uh, for him. Uh, and um, so yeah, I think the buyout is the most reasonable mechanism uh, for Vlasic uh, this this off season, but. You know, other things could come up, though. Yeah, it's it's a a tough situation, and yeah, you can point the finger at Doug Wilson for putting the Sharks in the situation. But as we said on last week's podcast, I don't think you could foresee a hard fall off on Vlasic this early in his career, or I wouldn't say this early in the career, but this early in that in that contract. But uh, it's I believe that they are going to explore all avenues for for getting rid of that contract one way or another. Um, next on the chopping block, you had Shimek as well. And we had in that podcast that we, you spoke about where we pitched to hurdle, what we were going to do to free up space to get the people in here to play around him. We attached the second round pick to get Shimek out. Now the sharks don't have this year's second round pick. So do you think it'd still be viable for next year's second round pick if, to get Shimek out? Or we talked about possibly, uh, if you know, Barabanov got traded, for a second round pick this season, they could essentially use that one to get Shimek out. 
Maybe, maybe. I mean, a second round pick is a pretty valuable currency. It's obviously not first round caliber, but uh, but it's you don't want to trade that out. And so uh, I, I, you know, talking to people that I uh, that I've spoken with, you know, a third round pick is a possibility because again, Trimix uh, just at two point two five, he can still play. It's not like he's an awful player. He can still you know fit in as a six seven defenseman for you, a slightly expensive one. And if you want to bury him, you can bury him and only have a million on your cap. You know, because you can bury about a little more over a million in the minors, so it's not too bad. So mm-hmm. first, try try to see if you can you can you can trade out a, a third uh, with him and and get somebody to take. I think that's possible, and that's his his contract is the kind of contract that Arizona. Like I said, we talked about Arizona, and they're only taking a one or two year contracts. All contracts that expire at at latest at. Um, at uh, 20, uh, 20, well, 2023, actually, I think Arizona, but okay, another year here because Shimmick's at 2024, but you know, that's his, his, his hit's not that bad. So maybe you can get a team to bite on that. Um, by the way, though, yeah, you do need to get rid of that money. He's a guy who's not playing. You have guys like, uh, Magna, Malosh, uh, you know, Middleton who are, are, are going to make less money that, that you, uh, you like in the lineup more and, yeah. uh, or, uh, guy like Merkley who's you know uh, uh, on the wing Ryan Merkley on the wings there so um you have to find a way to get rid of that rid of that contract uh but I think it'll be fairly easy to we don't know the cost yet uh, and also to Shimmick is a guy too that uh we haven't really explored the trades there but it shouldn't be too hard to really trade trade him out too if you can find again it has to be the same kind of thing though again Sharks fans, uh, we've talked, you know, you know, you're not getting positive value for him, really. Okay. You're not getting a third round, fourth round, fifth round pick. I mean, you're just not, you know, I, I know that's the hope. Uh, I know that's what the Sharks hope, but it's just not happening. Uh, but uh, can you find another guy that another team doesn't want, but maybe more useful to your lineup? Like, let's say, can you find a guy that makes about $2 million, but um, you think can't play in your top nine? uh forwards for example maybe maybe see that's 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 how you can also kind of um find the players that the sharks need to 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 get better uh redistribute chimic's money with uh, with the right guy and so that's something that that we're going to start looking at a little bit more and uh figure find figure uh, ferret out some candidates uh, uh for the sharks to trade uh shimmick for uh where it's sort of a uh it, it can be a win uh for the sharks yeah, you mentioned bolstering up that top nine, and that's kind of the the headline for what the Sharks have to do to improve starting next season, or starting this offseason, actually. Um, it, it's to directly inject talent into that top nine right. for their depth. Right, right. You know, at the moment, uh, by my count, the Sharks have uh, six surefire top nine forwards. There might be some argument about that, but uh, obviously uh, Hurdle, uh, Couture, uh, Meyer are clearly in that group. Um, I think uh, Balzers has made a pretty good argument for it, and he's signed for next year. Uh, Dolan mm-hmm. has a decent argument for it. He's an RFA, so that's why I count him as part of the Sharks. Uh, I don't count Barry Bonoff in this because he's a UFA, so we have no idea what's going to happen with him. And I think there's a good chance that he's not with the Sharks next year. Good, uh, I'm not again. I'm not calling it, but uh, uh, all, you know, uh, very possible. And then uh, I would include Kevin LeBanc in this uh, in, in that group of uh, top nine forwards, even though uh, Kevin uh, has not had a great year. And so anyway, uh, Kevin LeBanc, we were going to get to him as sort of one of the problem contracts. Kevin LeBanc has 4.725 at two more years. 
slightly unfair because Kevin's been hurt this year. Obviously got off to a bad start, uh, but Kevin last year in the first year of the contract was okay. You know, he's, he averaged about half a point a game, which is not what uh, Doug, you know, Doug Wilson overhyped him talking about Kevin LeBanc as a 60 point guy. That obviously did not happen, but if you can get a uh, 40, 50 points out of Kevin LeBanc, that's, you know, that's not too far off the, the value of the contract. It's not too bad. And so the Sharks don't need to get rid of him, but obviously though they can also use the money more efficiently. And so, is there a way to uh, use Kevin LeBanc's money more efficiently on somebody else? Um, I know a lot of people have brought up. Uh, you mentioned too, Nick uh, Jake DeBrus, but that's not happening, guys. I think we've mentioned this before in the podcast too. It just, uh, I just, uh, you know, that's the right idea in terms of it's a hockey trade and guys that kind of want new, you know, or at least DeBrus wants a new situation, change of scenery. But DeBrus is a uh, a bit more highly valued. Uh, uh, as a player than uh, LeBanc. So that's what makes it kind of unrealistic because LeBanc is a bit, uh, uh, you know, LeBanc is good at it, but he's a one-dimensional-ish player. Uh, the brush brings a little bit more in terms of good uh, some offense, but also physicality and those kind of things, right, that LeBanc does not bring. So the brush has a wider portfolio of skills. And so that's not a trade that's going to happen. But is there something out there where you can trade Kevin LeBanc's contract and get a guy that, again, uh, we've talked about with with uh, Shimmick. We talked about with Vlasic. What is the kind of trade that we're looking for? And it's probably kind of trade again. Kevin LeBanc is not going to bring you a lot of positive value. So again, let's get that out of your head too. Um, you're not getting, you know, who would be a positive value guy who makes about the same money? Uh, you're not getting Brock Besser, you know, for Kevin LeBanc. You know, uh, yeah, you, yeah uh, Kevin LeBanc is not going to be the centerpiece to bring in Brock Besser in or Jake DeBrusque or I don't know, you know, you, you name it. Whoever's kind of been bandied about, uh, but is a better, uh, a more you know, more reliable contributor than, than Kevin LeBanc. Doesn't mean that Kevin LeBanc can't play, though. It doesn't mean that people don't like him around the league. People do. But you just have to take sort of uh, you're going to have to take some degree of a loss on him. Um, but can the loss still be sort of a gain insofar as you get a guy that you like more, that you'll play more? The problem with Kevin LeBanc is that uh, one of the problems is that I'm not sure how much Bob Bugner likes his game. And we've seen that uh, just how, how how Bob has used him over the last couple of years and just having him in and out of the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, you know, he has not grown in a way that obviously a Timo Meyer has under uh, Bob's sort of uh, 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 Bob's, you know, watchful eye or whatever, right? And so, unless a, a Bob Bugner, who I believe is coming back next next year as a Sharks head coach, unless Bob thinks that that he can get that more out of Kevin LeBanc still, that he hasn't given up on him, kind of, um, you know then I, I can see the Sharks moving on from him for sort of a lesser player, but a guy that can still kind of contribute at the third line-ish level, you know, and 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 do a lot of different things uh, f- uh, for you, even though they're not quite as skilled as a Kevin LeBanc. So, you know, a guy that makes, you know, maybe a $3 million-ish, uh, you know, that might pop in if you're lucky 30 points, but is a solid guy on a third line. And so, you know, need to identify the exact candidate. Um, but that's the kind of guy that I think, uh, you know, another NHL player, uh, not as much offensive ups- upside, um, but a guy that can fit in squarely in the Sharks' top nine. Yeah, that, that hockey trade that, P, that, you know, Doug, that, that phrase that he used when he first talked about, um, sorry, not Doug Wilson, but like the the word that was essentially the phrase that was getting thrown around when he was initially made available on the tr- on the trade block was 
you know, they're looking for a hockey trade. They're not looking for picks or prospects for him. You're looking for an NHL player that can slot in your lineup ready to go. Right. And there's also the possibility with Kevin, too, that his contract isn't so bad, too, unlike Mark Edward of Lasics, where maybe you can trade him with some draft picks and get rid of the money somewhere. Um, I, I, that is possible, too. You know, and again, we always bring up the Arizona possibility, but I think uh, I think Kevin will have a little more value than, say, a Shimmick and a Vlasic, because I think there's a belief that Kevin LeBanc can be a 50-point scorer or whatever um, if he's in the right situation somewhere. And so he can contribute. And so, you know, could I see, you know, beyond the obvious Arizona possibility, uh, can I see another uh, team that wants to sort of add a little more offense and can give them a little more playing time? An Ottawa, uh, you know, a lower, kind of a lower rung team that wants to add a little more offense uh, that would like Kevin LeBanc's game. Uh, could they take him on? Uh, but the Sharks, you know, won't get much back. They might just get the cap space back. They, you know, uh, you know, trade, you know, would you trade Kevin LeBanc to say, and this is just a really hypothetical point is out of my ass. Would you trade a Kevin LeBanc to say an Ottawa? And I don't know Ottawa's exact situation they can take on the money next year and so on but assuming that they can uh would you trade him to ottawa for say just a fifth round pick just go r- get rid of the money um i think i would seriously consider that if i were the sharks uh if that's sort of the focus on getting the not just guys uh who can score points uh uh around uh thomas hurdle and the rest of the team but get guys that are the right players for how bob Bookner wants to play and who will you know play this the style to the t but also add a little more offense Basically, you know, you want to try to get like you're you want to try to get uh, younger uh, Nick Beninos, younger Andrew Cogliano types, you know, guys who are in their prime, but are still, you know, terrific two way players. If you can, um, mm-hmm. I think maybe maybe you think about that, too. So that's another possibility, too, which is not a very satisfying possibility if you're a Sharks fan. And, you know, you saw the Kevin LeBay get signed for 18 million dollars a couple of years ago and to talk about him scoring 60 points. Yeah. You know, it's. It's going to be meme-worthy, laughable. But look, if you're the Sharks, you need to improve quickly. Uh, and Kevin LeBanc isn't providing the efficient you know, value for, for his contract, then maybe you just get rid of it. And I think there is a possibility that you can do that, have embedded it with anybody. But I, I think that is possible. He's young enough and good enough uh, that it is possible that you can just uh, get somebody to take it on uh, and get very little back or nothing back and just get rid of the money and just redirect the money elsewhere. Yeah, it's just it just comes down to proper asset management and and you know just moving the money around and making it work better for your team. So, with that being said, you know you, you talked about there only really being six surefire top nine forwards, you know, on the team. The thing that we've alluded to the most that we we still believe the Sharks are going to pursue a, a heavy upgrade at in the offseason is the three C position. So. You start from there and you kind of work outwards, wouldn't you say? You you build your off-season plan around maybe getting rid of this contract, getting rid of that contract, moving some money around here and there. Okay, go find a bona fide 3C. Go get your actual 3C. Then we can work outwards from there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that that should be the focus, you know, to to find uh, uh, kind of that, that guy up the middle that can really take off uh, more of the weight from... We talked about this last offseason with Nick Benino, but, you know, uh, the Sharks acquired Nick Benino, you know, a couple of years too late. You know, Nick Benino was such a good player, so I don't want to take that away from him. Such a good player. And I've said this before, if the Sharks had picked up Nick Benino in 2017 and picked up Andrew Cogliano in 2017, this Sharks team would have made the playoffs. Uh, those guys were so good back then and provided just so much um, uh, stability 
to uh, to 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 uh, you know a third line uh, back then uh, that they just you know haven't you know they're total professionals but they just haven't been able to quite able to do uh, because of, of age you know this year uh, even though they're still very useful players so anyway uh, so yeah Andrew Kopp we've talked about Vincent Trocheck at free agency right. Um, yeah, those are guys who are going to be expensive, though, and there's going to be competition for them. So I'm not sure if uh, if uh, if uh, we want to throw all the eggs into that basket because don't know uh, don't know how that'll come up uh, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, 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 just the, the payoff there. You know, because those guys are going to be those guys are are, are basically uh, second line centers that that uh, that you're going to be shuttling into the third line role. So maybe they want to you know, play somewhere where, where they get, they get bigger minutes. They don't necessarily want to be tossed into a, uh, a, a bottom six, uh, bottom six uh, job when they think that they're better players than that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but when we look over at the free agency list, there's other kind of interesting names. I got to explore a little bit more about how they fit into three C, but, you know, I see uh, Nick Paul, uh, Johan Larson has has done some good things this year and a lot of playing time with Arizona, maybe undeserved, but Hey, you know what? <laughs> he's done okay with the playing time he's received. Yeah, but I do believe though that you you that you build the point is that you build a sort of a up the middle and you build out from there, and uh, and then and then and then and then uh, that will help your younger wingers uh, if you have to rely on younger wingers like William Eklund or uh, Noel Gregor or whatever. Uh, if you have a rock solid centerman uh, to kind of uh, support them, but I think that's where you start. So uh, if it's not through free agency, then you got to find. Um, we'll have, we'll have to explore this uh, next time, uh, but uh, sort of uh, uh, capped out teams that, you know, they might have a centerman, uh, you know, uh, loose and free that you can trade for. So that's something to look at, too, if, if you're if you're the Sharks. Um, but either way, though, I think if I was to pick one area that the Sharks need to improve and that will have the biggest impact on their fortunes next season, uh, I think it would be 3C. And and as we get closer to, you know, end of playoffs, we start to get a, a better idea. You know, even post-draft, we start to get a better idea sure. of what the Sharks are going to be working with and what other teams are going to be working with. Because it's not like the Sharks live in this vacuum where they're the only team making moves to free up cap space, to acquire better players. Every other team in the NHL does this every single year. So... There's going to be, like you said, multiple teams are going to be bidding on the the services of Andrew Kopp, of, of Vincent Trocheck, of any reliable three C that can play two hundred feet of you know play two hundred feet of hockey, a great hockey game essentially. So the Sharks are not going to be the only ones out there searching for these guys or searching for the services of these guys. But like you said, there are going to still be those capped out teams, those teams that have those long term contracts where. I mean, funny enough, the Sharks were one of them. You know, they have underperforming players, or maybe they just want to change the scenery, swap a guy. I wouldn't the word. Uh, I wouldn't use the word war <laughs> for the Sharks. You said war. You said war. I don't. Uh, I, 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 I would are. not say past tense. <laughs> no, they the are one of those teams. The Sharks are currently in the situation of having the a Sharks cap- would be targeting the Sharks right now in terms of yeah. a team that they're looking to take advantage of. <laughs> yeah. Locked on to our target. Wait, it's us. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shooting themselves in the foot almost literally at this point. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think to sum it up for for myself, you know, um, Bob Bugner was actually su- surprisingly candid about. I mean, maybe not surprising because Bob Bugner is so candid. Uh, uh, really, if you think if you look at uh, some of the things he said over the last couple of years, but 
Um, I wrote an article about a month ago, I think after they lost in Anaheim, about uh, the Bonino, Cogliano, Nieto line and just how, um, you know, uh, uh, offensively they just have been so, you know, defensively they've actually been better than some of their advanced stats indicate, um, or their actual stats, actually. They've you know, been on the ice for a lot of goals, but their advanced stats indicate that they're actually still pretty good defensively, and that's what I see too, I test too. Well, offensively, they're they're a black hole. There's no really other way to describe. It. They're not very good offensively anymore. And um, I do bring up Benito Cogliano before they were 2017. They still were, but not anymore right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, I wrote in that article that uh, the Sharks basically are 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 running a, a third line that would be a phenomenal fourth line. Uh, even today, would be a phenomenal fourth line. But that's their third line, and that's basically in a nutshell the. The, the biggest depth, the biggest problem with the Sharks, uh, in my opinion. And so Bob Bunger actually said exactly the same thing uh, a couple weeks later. He, he said basically that uh, ideally uh, that line uh, would be would be a fourth line, that that would be sort of ideal fourth line for him, a group that uh, he is not afraid to play in any situation uh, that has special teams value, PK value, right, in the case of um, – in a case of uh, all three of those guys, actually, right? And so that that would be sort of an ideal fourth line for him. And that's so Nieto, Cogliano, uh, Benino, uh, ideal fourth line for Bob Buchner. Uh, but he was forced, uh, because of the lack of depth in the lineup, to play him on a third line. He didn't like his other options. And you can argue, we can argue all day about that. You know, because, uh, you know, fans think that, Bob has a lot of better options. I do not think he does, but that's an argument for another time. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, the crux of what the Sharks need to fix next year, again, uh, it's been the same as a couple of years ago. And they tried, look, they tried this past offseason by signing Nick Benito and hoping that he had another uh, 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 kind of high-end year left in him, but he, he has not had that. Uh, but they, you know, it was a reasonable bet for the money that they had. And, you know, the, they started the season pairing him with, with Kevin, we talked about this with Kevin LeBanc and just didn't work out, you know, and if you look at the players, their track records, Benino, LeBanc, it actually didn't look like a bad bet. You had a couple guys there that have scored actually a good amount in NHL. And that seemed like a pretty good looking third line on paper. Uh, or at least there was a hope for that, but just did not work out. Um, but Anyway, number one for the Sharks, if they want to be competitive next year um, and kind of, you know, they're chasing the windmills here, obviously. They resigned Hurdle. Uh, but look, they're doing it. And so how are they going to be better next year? It's they need to rebuild that third line. They need to be they need to find a third line that can compete with any in the league, a playoff caliber third line. And that pushes, hopefully, uh, Bonino, uh, Nieto, both still under contract to a fourth line, uh, throw on a young winger there, and then, and then you make a kick-ass fourth line there, too. And that is the – that's depth. And that's what the Sharks have been lacking. You know, they've been playing up, uh, uh, um, you know, a lot of players the last three years. Uh, but this past year, the most severe uh, case of that was uh, that uh, that third line that should be a fourth line. And so if they can fix that somehow uh, with, um, you know, a cop, uh, you know, what have you, right? Uh, then, uh, then I think, then I think there is actually a legitimate look. How do the Sharks turn this around and make it a playoffs next year? With even though they haven't made up, even though they've been out of it for the last three years, you know some of these things we talked about, the contractual things, Wasik, Shimmick, whatever. I right? clear some money that way and bring in you know a, a legitimate youngish you know third line 
Um, yeah. And yeah, and I think then, uh, then, then we have a very real chance of uh, making it to the playoffs next year. Yeah, I think that's. I can't add more to that, Shane. That's pretty well said. I mean, that's that's been the name of the game, like you said, for three years, and it's up to the the brass and the, the guys upstairs that, that wear the suits. It's up to them to get Figure the job out the done. The right so. guys bring the right guys in, right? And we haven't really yeah. addressed the goaltending and the defense, and not not going to here. But I think though that I mean, I think there's reason to hope that Reimer and Hill can hold it together next year. Their cost is right too, so if they can if they can both, uh, you know, Hill can be better if uh, Reimer can keep up what he's doing. Then you have your goaltending there, it's solid, not great goaltending, and your defense, right? Obviously, it all depends on Burns and Carlson being just as good as they were uh, this year, if not better. Um, and, you know, Ferraro uh, coming back strong from his injury and, you know, Middleton and Kanijov, what have you. But you have, you know, I think with the defense and goaltending, I think uh, we can argue this point later this this uh, this offseason. But I think you can you can see more clearly that the Sharks have kind of enough there that they can compete with that at least to kind of be a playoff team there. Uh, but the forwards, they are woefully short on right now. Again, you know. How many top nine, legit top nine forwards do they have right now? And I counted six, but a top nine forward means they need at least nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so don't add up, Jim. Right, so. exactly. And so, again, it could be internal from William Eklund, but I don't want to put too much hope on a guy like that because that's what the Sharks have been doing too much over the last couple of years. Like, hey, here's a job lot, John Leonard. You know, be our first-line center, our first-line winger with uh, with our Hurdle and Kane. Uh, you know, here, Noel Gregor, here's this job, or whatever, right? And so they need to find more uh, guys that, um, well, just less hope guys. And yeah. if they do go with young Stability. guys... Right. If they go with young hope guys, then they better be really fucking sure this time around or we're going to be keep going on. And Thomas Hurdle is going to really, really, really be sorry that he signed that contract. Hey, you know, I will say this. The very beginning of the season, we said the Sharks were putting Hurdle's contract extension fate on William Eklund's shoulders. And Tomas Hurdle mentions William Eklund for, you know, one of the, one of the reasons, maybe not uh, like a huge reason, but a piece in the future that he knows can be a big part of this team getting back to winning. So way to fucking go, William. You did it, man. You fucking did it. In the eight games you played, you you left an That's impact true. on Tomas. Yes, he, he he definitely did. Uh, but uh, William Eklund's gonna have to score more than one goal next year uh, 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 with right. uh, uh, with the Sharks to make that impact. So don't worry, he will. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end off this episode. Great fucking job, William William Eklund. You did it, man. You did he it. Did, he did just enough. He did just enough. It's like, yeah. you know, it's it's like uh, he uh, he carried the ball just that just that just that half inch he needed for the first. Yeah, he extended. Form. He extended for the first down. <laughs> he extended for the yeah. first down. He kept the drive yeah. going. He, so. he did, he did, yeah, <laughs> he didn't get the TD. He didn't get the TD. He kept the drive going. That's that. That's what. That's what. Yep. That's what William did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. It's been a bit of a jam-packed episode here, covering a lot here. And, of course, we're going to expand on all this in later episodes uh, closer towards the end of the year. But, you know, next next week, look forward to that post-trade deadline reaction. And I think we're also going to do a mailbag, Shang. So, yeah, I think uh, so. I think that's that probably what we'll do next week. That's probably a good idea. I think there'll be a lot of questions. But yeah, this week was just sort of to set sort of the, the framework of, and we'll be talking about this so much in the offseason, right? How are the Sharks going to improve and be competitive quick? 
Um, it's not necessarily going to happen this trade deadline, obviously, because there's not going to be enough time. The Sharks are too far behind it. And so yeah. if the Sharks make moves, like I'm going to call this now, I think the Sharks uh, are probably going to be a middleman team this, again this year and uh, and uh, take on money to, to, to add picks. So it's going to look kind of bad, I guess is what I'm saying, where like they just signed Hurdle they're talking about winning and the next move they make is that they they help vegas make the playoffs by you know by by rerouting somebody's money you know matias janmark again right or nick felino from from last year right so yeah so it's it's not going to look good but um i think that that's actually the right move for them to make keep adding the these picks um unless there's an obvious trade to improve your team at a trade deadline obviously don't don't go for it because the sharks you know are going to be number of points out of the playoffs uh at trade deadline day a lot of points out of the playoffs at trade deadline day um but that's my prediction so i'm gonna call that one so we can check uh, after the deadline if, if i was right on that um but yeah uh we will get into this uh talk more about uh, mark edward Vlasic's contract buyout uh kevin lebanks all that stuff and uh yeah uh in the coming uh coming months here all right folks that's it that's the end you can you can press the pause button now i'm kidding i'm kidding as as always, you can find us on Twitter at SJHockeyNowPod. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. You can follow myself at NickFloor underscore, and you can follow Shang at Shang underscore Pang. Make sure you are subscribed to San Jose Hockey Now for all the in-depth coverage, all the best articles, and make sure you check out all of his articles at NBC Sports as well because he's got a couple of exclusive ones there. <laughs> that pop up every so often so as <laughs> i i work so hard to make sure make sure to get those hurdle turtle trade articles in uh yeah. uh before uh uh yeah because i knew i i didn't know no i didn't know so i'm not gonna say i i i knew knew that that, that this was gonna happen uh uh today but i you know we knew that that hurdle had to make a decision a few days before the deadline to help the sharks out and so uh yeah so so i'm glad i got my western conference eastern conference uh uh, trade destinations for hurdle out of the way (laughs) yeah it was a job well done so got it it right under right under the nose yesterday or two days ago i guess now right under the nose there (laughs) all right folks that's gonna do it for us you all make sure that you stay safe And of course, stay hydrated.